0: One last announcement. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) This computer weighs a lot. Do we? Oh, look at you. You guys have the slide for 110. Um, So one last announcement. Um, This is the 110 intensive, which is July 31st through August 7th. So pretty much it's the first week of August. Um, So we've been announcing this weekly, and there's been a few people that have actually asked for a little bit more information because I've realized that when we kind of went through our prophetic history um, at the beginning of the year, there's many people that... Um, weren't here when we were covering those things. So just to give you a brief little recap um, and a little understanding as to what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, So in the early 1800s, there was awakening that was sweeping all through the Northeast, and what it specifically was touching is the campuses of the Northeast. And during that time, there's a place called Bradford. It was called Bradford Academy, and it was an all-girls school. And the testimony was is that actually when you stepped on the campus, it was like stepping under the thunderings of Mount Sinai that there was just such a a, a tangible presence of God and that there was such a shaking that was taking place. But for those of you that are familiar with Williams College, which isn't too far from here, on Williams College, there was a small group of people, and Samuel Mills was one of those people, that were meeting weekly to pray together. And there was a a thunderstorm that took place. They had to hide themselves under a haystack. And so it's what we now know as the Haystack Prayer Meeting or the Haystack Revival. So basically what happened was is that the Holy Spirit visited those young man, men and began to really disrupt them and stir them with a vision for the preaching of the gospel to the nations of the earth. And how many of you guys know that prior to that time, America had not sent missionaries? We were a very new nation, and there was the no sending of missionaries had taken place yet. So these young, this, is a, this is what's amazing. These young men began to dream of something that had not been done yet they began to be envisioned for something that had not yet taken place. And so those young men actually um, from Williams and Andover Theological Seminary, they went to Bradford, Massachusetts and they met with the Congregational Board and they made an appeal for the sending of missionaries and the financing of missionaries. So in Bradford, Massachusetts was formed the first Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions. And it was that group of people that basically assembled for the sending of missionaries. Adonair and Judson and Anne Hazeltine were part of that original group that were commissioned from Bradford. And then hundreds of missionaries were then sent, even specifically from that all-girls school. Female missionaries were sent from that place. But it became, became really a hub of missionary sending. And so what we're doing is we're actually gathering on that very campus. That's going to kind of be where we base ourselves for that week. Um, We're going to be housing there, having our meals there, and from there doing tours throughout New England of some of the historical sites of revival and missionary sending. And then we have friends like Lou Engels coming in, and Brian Kim is coming in, and Doug Stringer, uh, and Jesse Engel. They're really fathers in the faith, but also people that have pioneered movements in the area of prayer and missionary sending and church planting. So if that's on your heart, if you want to be involved with church planting, if you want to be involved with planting houses of prayer, or if you feel called to the mission field, we actually have, to be honest with you, like our missionaries from Turkey are coming back through. They're coming back from Pennsylvania to be able to hit this for a week before going back to Turkey. When I was just out um, in Kansas City, several of the Luke 18 leaders are coming um, so that they can actually hit some of these historical sites to pray into them with us, but also learn from these leaders. So I would encourage you to be a part and set apart that week. Um, For those of you that have asked, there will be, I think right now, it's three evening sessions that will be open. Monday evening will be Lou's session. Um, and then, sorry, two, oh, actually Tuesday evening will be Brian Kim's session. Um, if you kind of, kind of go, I don't get the whole missions thing. I'm not like really inspired for that. You should hear Brian Kim. (laughs) It'll change the rest of your life. He preaches about unreached people groups. And if you think you have a heart for justice, he basically talks about the the greatest injustice in this generation is the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is is not being presented to entire segments and, and, and people on the face of the earth. And ultimately, no one cares. No one cares, and no one is actually going to those places to labor for the preaching of the gospel. And it's something that we need to be awakened to. I know Daryl and I were actually just at the dinner table with my dad recently, and we were talking about missions. I don't even remember the context of what we were talking about. And mind you, my dad's been in the church many, many years, and around my mom's a pastor. And um, he goes, I don't get people. Why do they go to other countries? (laughs) He's like, there's enough to do here. And I said, Dad, there's churches on every corner, and the gospel is available. There's places where no one has ever brought the gospel to people, so they've never had the opportunity to hear. And he actually looked almost like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, <laughs> but it's real, and, and it's, it's, it's an issue, and we should be part of the solution. So, yes, I would encourage you to, you can go to our website for more information, but um, Monday night will be Lou, Tuesday night will be Brian, um, the midweek, we won't be coming back for the evenings because we'll be on tours throughout New England. And then Friday evening, we'll be Doug Stringer. So um, you can, you're more than welcome to come to our evening. And then Saturday night, we're going to be doing an outreach in the city of Haverhill. We're going to be doing some city reaching with the inner city kids there. So um, you're welcome to join us for that. But if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Um, so I'm going to... Teach a short message today, um, and for those of you that don't know, we've been in the process of going through a series called "Love, Sex, and Everything in Between." And to be honest with you, like that that subject sounds just so um, <laughs> startling, kind of. <laughs> but really, the essence of the series is to teach about relationships. And so whether you're married or unmarried or single or dating or wherever your status is in life, it really is about the essence of having healthy relationships with other people. So I am going to say this, there's many topics that I'm going to touch upon today, um, but one of the things that we're going to go back to is the issue of what it is to be a missional community. And we find that in scripture, when we find that in history, and so that's how we're going to be touch talk about being a missional community. In prayer, and they all continued in one accord, in prayer, in accord literally, I'm not a music person, um, but if you listen to kind of identity and all of those things, but they're working together, a of identity and dis- that they make something beautiful, that they're playing in the same chord, something of beauty. And so 1, 14, this is is established in chapter two, and it says, when came a sound from he- heaven, as they're in a house, they're not in a, and there appeared divided tongues of fire with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with the Holy Spirit, or for certain don't we? We kind of think, well, that person's just assigned to each and every one. Well, that room might've been more of an, have been a verbal mouthpiece All of them. It doesn't say the fire of the Holy were gathered there. That hundred single person received leaders are just the worship leaders. First of all, break the mindset off of for you that are gathered here, your wife next to you, because your preference already manifests that very by the fire of the Holy of them. They were all filled. They're or a measure or us here today are filled. We're in crisis. Means the Holy Spirit is coming with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, speak with other tongues, as they find that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And all who dwell in Jerusalem, as you suppose, since it is, and daughters will prophesy, biblical prophecy, and or a new insight <laughs> here. Old Testament prophet. Come on, if we get back saved, continued steadfastly in the pocket, their fellowship of the faith, breaking of bread. That's, and then that whole backyard schedule. We didn't have an order of things towards the opportunity, and that we find they continue steadfast what it is to go with trend and what steadfast is. Yes. So they continue to one accord in praising God and having Temple to pray. And this again, once again, I think it took us like four years. And then they continue steadfast They're saved, but you find the prayer and the gathering chapter four we, and the report, they give the report continually. It wasn't this. And then we find an art with the book of Acts because this things and do new things, but un- look like, and people are like in their head, go to the book of Acts. The Bible, you don't see that of how it is we are supposed. To. Mm-hmm. How's your mind? The Eternal Word of God and saying and where it's taken place. Through. So, <laughs> and those of you that aren't from this area, a, a center of the Great Awakening used to do and what God desired. And some of you might be like, "Well, of our nation, they some place together." When you aren't new things to us, people in certain So, in some New England at that time, in here in Heron Hut, go into huge detail, but I'm going to all church two centuries, 30 years old, would pray one hour a day, one hour a day, and there was two, can you imagine a hundred years in the entire evangelical church, in large part, boat as well, as well, and a storm hit, singing songs, they're not like, but like he never saw any, the lamb that was slowly 20s, and literally, knew that in order to go, this potential for marriage and their children, as they were going over, they literally was to become a slave they understood that Jesus did. see the Moravians had a re they were living for self-preservation with Christ or America in the conviction of the Moravians. so Wesley himself so we had the first great awakening and for those of you guys that don't know that I think well I'm not a college student awakening it was marked by that awakening that took place and meeting together. How many of you guys are amazing at Oxford University so they basically went they hear about this guy, he's a Whitfield, and let's talk about accountability. In all of my acts, in all of my, can I be trusted? Justifying. Am I enjoying prayer? Get to bed on time and get up. How do I spend my spare time? Is there anyone I fear to me today? Why they were called the Holy Club. Community. The same social interest, something higher, and some here at Hilltop and J-Hop, all like to shop and hang out. Is where it's Daryl and I, some of our closest of just even loving to be, to understands that for something so much more and being willing to sacrifice holy bond of fellowship with like-minded people who gathered together gaily. Most of us are like, no, I live my life. I live, I, I have my system. I have my priorities. I have the things that I do. It's a sacrifice just to gather at church on Sunday for some of us. But the place where these young men had bonded together, but what do we find? These young men were used in revival. This is what these young men were known for. I'm actually going to read to you. Um, C.H. Spurgeon wrote of Whitfield. Often I, as I have read of his life, I am conscience, conscious of distinct quickening whenever I turn to it. He lived. Other men seemed to be only be half alive. But Whitfield was all life. He was all fire. He was all wing and force. My own model, if I have such a thing in due subordination to my Lord, is George Whitfield but with unequaled footsteps must I follow in his glorious track. Whitfield preached more than 18,000 sermons in his lifetime, an average of 500 sermons a year, or 10, 10 a week. Many of them were given over and over again. Only about 90 of them were actually archived and preserved for others to read. Could you imagine the pouring out of one person's life and preaching the gospel? in preparing messages, in preaching, in that place of sowing his life in preaching. So we find this is a community of young people. We find in this, this missional community that truly were living as the book of Acts, that they were gathering together, they were praying together. But what came out of that? Do you realize the extraordinary influence of these men? I love it, it was said of Whitfield that his voice startled England like a trumpet blast. His voice startled England like a trumpet blast. That literally means that England was asleep and that a trumpet was sounded and Whitfield's voice is what was used to startle it. How many of you guys in this room want to be a voice that your, your, your voice would be like a trumpet that startles all of America? To awaken America out of sleep and out of slumber. But let me ask you this question. Do we want to live the kind of life of Wesley and Whitfield? Oftentimes we look at the influence and we look at the the scope of, of souls that we're able to reach. But what we have to look at is the lives that these men lived. And if we go back to the book of Acts, they were living in missional community. There was a quality of life. There was a quality of friendship that they were saying, I'm binding my heart together with those of like mind and like heart that are burning for the same thing. So then what we actually find is uh, we find another common group of people. I mentioned this earlier today. The Second Great Awakening was in 1787 and lasted until about 1843. Um, and it was during this time actually that um, Samuel Mills had, was gathering with another group of young people and they were praying weekly and they ended up under the uh, under the um, haystack praying. And it was from this group of young people that they began to pr- pray and dream about the gospel being preached in the nations of the earth. So from a little prayer meeting on a college campus, a handful of young men that had to pray in secret because they were being persecuted. God envisions their heart. And from that, Adonair and Judson and Hazeltine and hundreds of missionaries are sent abroad. You know, I want to say to every single person here today, when we talk about the fruit of this, of the gospel being preached in the nations of the earth, do you know that Samuel Mills actually never went to the nations? He said he would be more useful here Preaching and recruiting for the cause of Christ and getting those to go overseas. Do you know Samuel Mills, as he traveled out west and he actually saw that there were people in the western part of the U.S. that didn't even have Bibles accessible to them? That he began the printing and the distributing of Bibles and then from that we end up seeing the circuit riders that went you find that this young man has a vision and it's not about necessarily where he goes or what he sows his life into. It's about seeing he was burning for the preaching of the gospel, whether that was in the U S or the nations of the earth, that he was going to envision hearts, that there is a purpose that is greater to live for. And this is what we find. So we find the, the community of the Book of Acts. We find this community at, at Oxford University, this small band of young people. We find this community here at the Haystack, praying together, dreaming together, that place where they were burning for something greater. We find the Moravians. All throughout history, you can find these companies of people that oftentimes we think, and, I, and I'm all for individual obedience, of As an individual, we have to be obedient. As an individual, we have to pray and fast. But oftentimes what you find is there's a place where we're strengthened when we find like-minded and like-hearted people. in the place where our friendships are no longer about how they self-satisfy and self-gratify me, but the place where you find people that will, who's provoking you in your faith? No, really, who's the friend that's looking at you and saying, hey, you told me. You told me that you felt convicted over this. What are you doing about it? No, really, move beyond the friends that are going to okay everything in your life and just pat you on the shoulder and go, do business as usual. Just keep going. Drown yourself in television. Drown yourself in food. The friends that are going to look at you and say, you said you had a dream for something. What are you doing about it? the friends that are going to provoke you. How many many of you that are in places of sexual sin and compromise, you surround yourself with people that will just nod at you, pat you on the back and just say, we all struggle. You find someone that will get in your face and say, no, there is something higher and you're called to something much greater. Don't compromise. I'm going to say something. You want friends that will challenge you and provoke you. I'm going to say to you, Get yourself around a community, whether this is your home or not. Get yourself in environments where truth is being spoken. And not only that you're sitting in the midst of it as a number, but that your name is known, your face is known, your heart is known. And you can be challenged and provoked. Because I'm going to say this. I said it at the beginning when we started. That 120, every single one of them, fire fell upon their lives every single one of them, and I dream of a church community, that it's not that we have a worship leader that's burning with fire, not that we have small group leaders that burn with fire, but that we have entire communities that when they gather together for small group, there is a living, ebbing flame of fire because they burn for souls. Do you know what that looks like? That begins to look like people that are burning for Boston burning for universities. Do you want to know something that if you truly, truly are touched by the fire of God, it's going to move you to action? I get it. I get it. Some of us go through seasons where we're like, oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm resting. I'm in a season of renewal. Yep, I get it. There might be those seasons of laying low and resting before him, but I'm going to say something to you. The fruit of that then becomes action. Whether you may not be a mouthpiece, it might look like you doing the administrative arm to strengthen outreach, but it looks like you giving and sowing your life into something beyond yourself. And so that's the question for all of us today. What are you sowing your life into beyond yourself? Beyond your next three years, your next five years? What are you sowing your life into? And in what areas are you sowing your life into contending for revival in America and the nations of the earth? Because for every single one of us, we have a part to play. There's something significant for you to do that you would not just sit as a bystander and observe someone else doing the work of that. There's some of you in this place that are called to plant churches. So what does that mean? It means you better start learning the ropes of what it takes, the ins and the outs and the practicals and all of the practical dynamics of doing that. So then you can not only be a fiery preacher, but know all the systems of what it takes to care for people. I want to encourage us as a community of people to break out of the place of being independent and isolated. Because I'm going to say this to you. You can sit as someone that is burning with the fire of God in your life. But unless you find like-minded, like-hearted people that are going to run with you and encourage you and provoke you. I'm going to say something to you. I spent long seasons in my high school years in a lot of solitude. Not because of choice, I could not find other high school students that had the same conviction. I used to devote three days a week to prayer and fasting as a high school student. But you know what I'm going to say? Somehow, supernaturally, Daryl knows this. Somehow, supernaturally, Lou Engel found our number, found us as people. And I'm going to tell you something. During some of the hardest, darkest, most lonely seasons of my life, having a friend like Lou and Therese... Having people that will, Daryl knows this, randomly, different times. I had this dream about you last night. This is what, having people that you can say, I am known, my heart is known, my passion is known, and I've sat, found somebody with a sim- similar language that they're speaking. Someone that's burning for something. So you know what? When you begin ho- feeling hopeless and discouraged and lonely and as if you're never gonna see it happen, you find those people with the same vision and the same heart that you're running with and you saying. God has spoken to us. And you know what it causes? It causes the dreams of your heart to be strengthened and renewed and you can keep going. So I just want us, we're going to close on this note today. If you're here in this place, as this relates to community, is the place of being a missional community. If you're here in this place and your heart burns to see revival, but I'm going to say this specifically, I'm not just talking about burning to see revival and then go back to business as usual. If your heart burns to see revival, but you're in a position that you're willing to make the adjustments necessary to align your time and your schedule, to align your relationships and your priorities. So that you, my son actually has been walking around all day, some video, but it's actually been three days now. Just do it. Make your dreams become reality. (laughs) And then he says, yesterday you said tomorrow. See, you know, he says that. And I said to him, I said, what does that mean, buddy? What does that mean? Yesterday you said tomorrow. It mean, and he said, mommy, it means that always saying that tomorrow it'll be different or I'm going to start working on it tomorrow. He said, you start today and you do it today. And I said, that's right. When I was about 16 years old, I got called out of a crowd and the gentleman was talking about several things about revival. But I remember at 16, not fully understanding what he what he meant, but one of the words that he said, is he said, there's people that dream dreams, and there's people that see dreams fulfilled. And he said, you're not just a dreamer. He said, you will see dreams fulfilled. And I'm going to say to every person in this place, it's not enough just to have a dream. It's not enough just to say, I'm called to preach the gospel, or I'm called to be a missionary. Not just enough to say, I dream of Boston or my campus being awakened. The question is, what are you doing to see that dream fulfilled? And if you can't identify a daily discipline of where you are putting your hand to the plow to see that accomplished, I'm going to say to you, you will not see that dream fulfilled until you make radical adjustments and changes to your life hey, I'm not here to discourage you. The reason I'm saying that honestly to you is because it's loving to say to you. Do not continue in a pipe dream of, I dream of Boston being awakened in a city set upon a hill. How will you be used to see that dream come to pass? In what way are you putting your hand to labor? In what way are you sowing your time to see that dream come to pass? And the most loving thing I can say to you is assess your life and ask yourself, how am I prioritizing my life to see that dream? Whatever that dream is, your dream might be completely different. Your dream might be a cure for some disease. Whatever your dream is, you have to begin to ask yourself, how am I prioritizing my life? Is it centered upon this one thing? And I'm going to say to you, What is the dream that God's put in your heart? Because oftentimes, some of the the minuscule, small things that we're dreaming aren't the big dreams of God's heart. He's got something much bigger, much broader, much grander. And oftentimes, we can identify the dreams that he's given us is because they're nothing we could accomplish in and of ourselves. You know what the beautiful thing is? This is where prayer comes in. (laughs) That's what makes you a praying person. Because no amount of toil or labor can make it come to pass. It's we do our diligence and we do our part. And then we sow our life in prayer. Trusting that he brings the harvest. I'm going to read to you one last quote. This was by John Wesley. Revival is no more a miracle than a crop of wheat. In any community, revival can be secured from heaven when heroic souls enter the conflict determined to win or die. And if need be, to win and die. So we're going to close out with this call today. If there's those of you in this place that God has called you to be a heroic soul to enter the conflict, to see many souls birthed into the kingdom of God in Boston and New England, I want to encourage you, if you're here today, if you're a university student I mean, obviously, this is greatly encouraging because we talked about the campus revival. But if you're... I'm not in university, but part of the reason I dream for the campuses is because there's such a huge population of them here in Boston. And from them, God wants to awaken these young people not only to transform our nation, but to have the gospel preached to the ends of the earth from this place. So if you know that God has called you for that purpose, but you also know that you need to align your life and prioritize your life to see that dream come to pass. We're going to fill the altar and we're going to pray together in one accord. We're going to make an altar before the Lord and we're going to close out with a word of prayer.
1: Well, this is your time if you want to respond to today's message. I really felt last Saturday when we were at the House of Prayer together that um, we're in a defining moment as a community where we're kind of caught in the throes of if we're just going to be that nice little smiley, socially active church, which we love. I think both Bethany and I have proved as leaders to love social gatherings and, and family-type settings, but there's also something else that we dearly love, and that's being set up by God to be used by God, not to just be casual Christians living casually in our faith and our pursuit for God, but living wholeheartedly. You know, when we talk about fire and revival, that's all we're talking about is just wholeheartedness. Jesus gave us the command that we shall love the Lord thy God with all of our mind, soul, body, and strength. Listen, if there is even one area, one area that that is, does not match up in your life today, I would respond to this altar. Because that's simply what we're responding to is, Father, we want to burn. We want to fall in love with you, not just, you know, with our bodies, but with our minds and with our strength. We want to give it all, Father. And so, really, there is no, like, magical wand that we can wave over you. We just want to respond as a community to God and say, Lord, here we are. We want to be more than just uh, a social gathering. We want to be more, even more than just a family. God, we want to be used by you and so would you position us, God, in this formative time, in this formative season, would you position us? Would you would you make us Wesleys? Would you make us Finneys in our generation, for our generation? You know, I, I really feel that it, all it really takes is just a yes, guys. And so with every heart and every eye bowed, let's just build this altar. If you... Uh, Evan not responded, it's okay. Don't feel awkward. It's, you know, maybe pray for those who are up here who are responding to the, to the Word of God. If you have to go, feel free to go. Um, the doors are not locked. Um, but we're going to take communion after this. They're going to lead us into a song, and what we're going to do in this song is just position our hearts to Christ. Position our, our words and our prayers to Christ, and this is how we're going to respond in this moment.